My name is Sierra Trotman, and today's leadership quote is, I will not lose, for even in defeat, there's a valuable lesson learned, so it evens up for me. Quoted by Jay-Z. The Leader Assistant Podcast exists to encourage and challenge assistants to become confident, game-changing leader assistants. Are you tasked with ordering food for your office? Let me tell you about Easy Cater. With over 100,000 restaurants to choose from nationwide and 24-7 customer support, Easy Cater helps assistants like you and me succeed at work and makes our lives easier. Visit easycater.com slash leader assistant to find out more. Hey friends, welcome to the Leader Assistant Podcast. It's your host, Jeremy Burrows, and it's episode 254. Uh, you can check out the show notes at leaderassistant.com slash 254, leaderassistant.com slash 254. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Ciara Trotman. Uh, Ciara is an executive assistant, uh, has been an executive assistant with a career spanning 20 years in corporate finance and big box technology. Um, and I'm very excited to jump in and chat with her. So Ciara, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. Uh, what part of the world are you in? I am in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> Brooklyn. Nice. I was in uh, New York City uh, a month ago or so with my family, took my boys and my wife for the first time and oh, nice. fun, uh, fun, fun little three-day trip. So Yeah, I'm sure it was pretty loud and exciting. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah, definitely. What's, uh, what's your favorite thing to do on your weekends? Uh, really just hang out with my family. I have a 10-year-old niece who is uh, 10 going on 25 and she's just <laughs> exciting and uh we usually just watch a lot of good movies cook some good food really just enjoy loving on each other <laughs> awesome what's one of the better movies you guys have seen lately uh nothing spectacular but we're really excited to see wonka oh nice holiday break <laughs> good deal sounds like a plan well what uh what got you into the whole executive assistant world? Oh my goodness, funny story. Uh my father was an entrepreneur. He was a sports photographer for the New Jersey Nets eons ago. Um and so I started working for him as my summer job and um I noticed he had a couple of gaps in his corporate structure. So I offered to fill them and uh, I bargained for my payment of my bike and just said, if I can do a great job for you over the summer, will you get me a bike? And will you, uh, you know, do something about my allowance and getting increasing it? Um, and so I was able to actually not only begin my executive assistant career, um, with him, but I also retained my first international client with this business at 12. Wow. Um, so it just kind of, you know, that's where the spark started for me. Nice. What, how did you end up with the international client? Was that, was that like a, just a inbound thing for the business or did you have to go reach out to people? How did that happen? 
Yeah, really interesting. He was working with U.S.-based publications for the most part, um, and he was starting to expand his services overseas, but had a major communication barrier. And so I did some quick recon, went to the library and, um, you know, just looked for a couple of key greetings and things that I could say to open a meeting and start a conversation um, and maybe jump into interpret negotiations from point to point. Nothing too heavy, though. Uh, but the effort made really resonated with the client. And so because they were so impressed with the amount of work that was done and they obviously could tell that I was a child, um, they were just like, this is adorable. This is great. And so they wanted to get in business with my father. So he was able to secure um, his first international publication in Spain. And then I believe one in Italy behind that. Wow. That's great. That's some initiative for sure. What a kid, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then, okay, so then as you grew up and got into the corporate world, um, you just did you just enjoy that type of work? Is that what you sought after? Did you, uh, I, I noticed in your bio, you mentioned event planner as well. When, when did you kind of get into that? Or has it always been part of your assistant roles? Um. It's something I enjoy doing and I'm very passionate about event planning. So in one way or another, I've always kind of invited that or offered that service, uh, even if it was just a mindset. You know, I approach my my desk job as an event um, and try to just bring some some, you know, excitement to the day to day. And I think because of that my manager kind of flagged me for my first opportunity with corporate finance and said, you've got something unique here. Why don't you give it a shot? Um, and there are a lot of aspects of executive assistant work that do lend itself naturally to event planning. And mm-hmm. it was just a match made in heaven. And I just kind of went, you know, full throttle. Nice. In those places. What's your like number one tip? For those who their CEO or their executive calls and says, hey, I need you to plan this event. Like, what's your number one tip? Uh, My number one tip is start early uh, and design that budget early. And um, just make making sure that you're talking to your executive team about what they're hoping to accomplish with the event. Because more than just throwing a good party or a good social experience, you want it to be able to tie back to a business need. When people walk into the event, they should know why they're there on many different levels, except to just enjoy yourself. And it kind of, it centers the purpose of the event. Nice. Good tip. Good tip. Thanks. Uh, So let's let's talk about then maybe what was throughout your career as as an assistant, um, what was maybe your most challenging time or or maybe the most difficult thing that you've faced as an assistant? Oh, Jeremy, we could be here all day. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a lot of unique challenges throughout my career, I think. The first one was just understanding how I wanted to show up to the space. Um, and second, of course, is establishing a great relationship and a good rapport with your executive team. And then if I'm being fully transparent, just jumping the hurdle through corporate 
politics as an African-American woman. You know, it is it is a very real thing that happens and it is very, very challenging. Um, managing imposter syndrome along the way are some things that kind of crop up that you didn't see coming. And it it really just requires you to push through in a very nuanced way to manage your career. Interesting. So tell us a little bit more about the office politics and and <laughs> maybe how how can we as assistants navigate office politics? Um office politics are tricky. They're unique to one's environment. I think in my own experience, I have always been raised with the mentality of being a worker bee. You know, just put your head down, work really hard. And eventually by magic, someone will notice how hard you work and just reward you. And that's not, that's not how it works at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So later, much later on in my career, I kind of relented to, to the mentality of you have to form relationships Um, as much as you don't think about that. And yes, a good, a good work ethic is very important, but also establishing some key relationships with decision makers, with managers within your team to just be able to say, I'm showing up as more than a doer. I'm a team player as well. Uh, really changed the narrative for me and kind of changed my reality as well. Nice. So how, um, how have you seen that corporate or, or forming those professional relationships? Um, are, do you have tips on that? Like, is it, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to grab lunch with this colleague and just talk shop or ask them about their personal life and try to just build that rapport. Um, Mm -hmm. is there, is there kind of, you know, certain boundaries in those, those professional relationships based on, you know, the org chart and where you fall and all that kind of thing. Is there any, any tips that you would have uh, through your experience? Absolutely. I think first and foremost, executive assistants have a very unique position and that we are the human being in the, in the equation, you know, most people are just doing cross-functional partnerships or um, talking to managers are talking to their directs and their skip levels, but you kind of, they kind of lose the humanity in that situation. And I realized that one of my specialties was just being a confidant in, in that space. And, you know, some of the things that I did for my managers, I started to apply them to myself. You know, when you onboard a new executive, the first thing we do for them is coordinate meet and greets. You know, who should they be talking to? Um, who should they be connecting with? And who are we putting in that, what I'd like to call their phase five? Who are they always going to be connecting with and talking with and meeting with? But I noticed I wasn't doing that for me. And here I am, a key right arm in that situation. So I put it into work. You know, during my first 30 days, I looked at the chart, the org chart, and said, who are the people closest to my manager? I need to meet with them. I need to do coffee intros um, and just let them know that I'm here. I'm part of the team. I'm going to be working closely with my executive but I'm also a resource, an open door, a safe space for you as well. Um, I was really diligent about following up. I made sure that whenever I saw people, I was always reaching out, friendly, made a joke or two, just people understand me. Um, And then I developed 
curiosities about what they did in their professions. And I always asked about like, what is it that you do? What are you passionate about? What are your pain points? Let me think about that. And then I use that information to be very strategic with my manager about pointing out how his or his or her organization runs on a broader scale and kind of tying those things back. Um, and it put me in a great place to be a true eyes and ears to the org. And in that process, I have kind of been branded as a strategic partner. Um, so I would say when you when I think of myself and where my career is going and headed and currently is, it's a true strategic partner. That's amazing. So I love what you said about being curious because um, uh, I've talked about that all the time as, as far as what makes a good assistant. Well, you got to be curious. You got to, oh, well, how do we do this? And how, how can we figure this out? And even curious about the industry and um, just general curiosity of what's going on in the macro environment. Um, but I love how you specifically brought that curiosity skill set into relationships and, you know, being curious about your colleague and what they enjoy to do, doing and what their skills are and what their yeah. passions are. So that's a great, great tip. And, you know, if I may add something else to that, I, I sort of put myself up as a tribute, if you will, to be the one that would fall on the sword for them. You know, I always say like, if there's a question you want to ask and you're just shaking in your boots about it, pass it to me. You know, I'm in a great position to be green, um, to not really know everything about everything. So I can ask your question for you. Um, and just having that extra added layer of trust where people knew that they could maintain their professionalism and they had someone like fighting for them in the background really went a long way. It also helped me quite a bit and learning to lose the fear of walking in certain situations or conversations that may be a little bit above me. And, you know, instead of wasting the time being fearful about what I don't know, I jumped in blindfolded and just said, Hey, I'm going to ask the question, you know, um, and and be a driver for truth and always making sure that whatever we're doing, we're getting to the root of that situation. And sometimes that just means asking a tough question. Are you ready to elevate your career in 2024? I'm Maggie Olson, founder of Nova Chief of Staff Certification, the first of its kind online course for aspiring and existing chiefs of staff. With curriculum taken directly from on-the-job responsibilities, Nova's self-paced learning modules provides you with hands-on experience so you can feel competent and confident moving into a chief of staff style role. It's the perfect next step for executive assistants. Head to leaderassistant.com slash Nova to learn more, grab the syllabus, and enroll today. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And it's like, it's almost like you could be, it's like good cop, bad cop in a way where it's like, oh, you know, you're going to go over and you're going to ask that hard question and take one for the team. So that's awesome. Absolutely. That's what us Brooklyn girls do. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about career paths and what you've seen in your career and what you, you know, there's always that question of um, what do you do as an assistant or the also one of the more common questions I, I get and I know a lot of assistants get is, you know, 
what are you going to do next? What, mm -hmm. you know, like, okay, you're an assistant. That's great. What do you want to do after that? So how do you, how do you wrestle with the career path idea for assistance and what's maybe what's your career path, uh, hopes and dreams. And then what do you think is a, is a, are a few good options or maybe just one good option for assistance? Hmm. I have so much to say about it, but I know you have a time limit on your show. So I'll try <laughs> to put it down. I am super passionate about this because I've seen, um, through the years and I've heard a lot from my, my colleagues about what a dead end executive assistant work can be. Um, and that's largely because it takes a special or specific type of person to be an executive assistant. And we really get in the weeds about our work and the people that we work with that sometimes we can nurture too far to the left and not worry about ourselves. We're the first people we forget all of the time. Um, and so for that Again, I've allowed the hurdles that I face to make me braver, to really kind of forge my own path because I've looked for it. I've asked for it. I've had terrible career conversations where I just failed epically. Um, and then I've learned you can't always ask for the things you want. You have to sometimes create it, demonstrate it, let it show up, let people live with it. And then when they realize that there is value in this, they're ready for a different kind of conversation. So while I'm not putting that forward as a, a concrete game plan, it's definitely something to consider. Um, I've also tried to just be organic to the things that I do well and just keep doing those. Uh, at being unafraid to ask a tough question made me a disruptor. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of things that were done just because I questioned, I challenged, I pushed back on, and it can be very efficient. So I think of my career, I'm always going to authentically show up as a dis disruptor and a strategic partner, and I will never relinquish those two things. Um, and while, again, I'm in the boat with a lot of other executive assistants where the path is not always clear. I'm definitely working to kind of split split it somewhere between a chief of staff and okay. an assistant. I think that's the, the organic um, progression for me. Nice. So then like you see the strategic partner and disruptor as one of those, you know, chiefs of staff, if you will, uh, skill sets. Is that kind of what you're for sure. I think to be an effective chief of staff, you really have to be able to look at the broad picture and the small picture. Um, you can't lose either vision and you really have to have that in mind to drive a strategy forward and understand what it takes to build the steps for the strategy to live. Um, so I think executive assistants have a lot of those qualities baked into what we do and who we are. And it seems like a, a natural transition. Nice. Or at least I hope it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, let's. this has been a great conversation. Uh, just a couple more questions, if, if you're cool with it. Sure. Um, bye bye. <laughs> so, you know, there's perception versus reality. Like, what's, what's an EA? 
what, what, <laughs> you know, like, you know, those memes where it's like, oh, this is what my mom thinks I do. And this is what people think I do. And this is what I actually do. And um, yes. so what what's an EA's real job? <laughs> Ruler of the world. <laughs> there you go. Done and done. She said um, it. She said it. <laughs> That's a fact, people. Uh-huh. Um, I think our real job is we mirror everything our executive team does. And we we make their ideas happen in real life. And while I'm not speaking to an actual corp running a corporation, you know, it takes true leadership to do that. So I won't undermine that process. But I think it speaks to what we do to really be able to just walk in the door and get that get that broad picture and be able to in real time respond to keep the pieces moving forward in order for them to be able to accomplish that free and clear. So it's about, you know, thought leadership, true partnership, um, being able to be crystal clear again about the vision from the bottom to the top and the top to the bottom, and then really have an understanding of the organization and how it actually works, what's right about it, what's broken about it, who are the people who should be in those conversations versus who shouldn't be at a specific moment in time. You know, those are the things that it takes to just really be a great executive assistant. And so while I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I'm a true right hand, I I hate that expression (laughs) because my executive has a right hand his or her own. They don't need me to be a right hand. They need someone to like pick things up on their own and run with it. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's what I focus more on. Like you do your job. I'll make everything else happen while you're away. Mm -hmm. And when you come back, I have all of the answers that you need. That to me is a partnership. A good one. Yeah, totally. Love it. Well, what do you think about AI? What's your like 60 second, uh, you know, elevator (laughs) pitch, uh, cocktail hour answer Uh, to the AI replacing assistants and all that? I think, first of all, the AI photo enhancements are top tier because (laughs) I have a look better. Um, (laughs) But I think AI is worth delving into. I I haven't finalized my thoughts on it, but it's a natural progression. The world changes, technology changes, and I'm just at a place where I'm staying open-minded and open to learning more about it. I've seen some quick ways that it makes my life a lot easier. And I think if we look at it from a perspective of it's just another tool, you know, we didn't have, before we had Blackberries, now we have iPhones iPhones are so much more efficient. They have so much more that they can offer. So AI could probably fit the bill like that for us now if we just keep an open mind about learning what it actually does and where it's going to go. Hmm. And that we're in charge. You know, we have to create AI. It didn't create itself. So as long as we're the makers, we're always in a position to kind of drive how that looks and feels. Well said. That's a great elevator pitch for AI. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what about uh, diversity and inclusion for assistance? You know, I asked my guests on the show what topics they would like to talk about. 
And um, to you know, just kind of wrap up our conversation, I would love to hear your thoughts on on DEI and um, yeah, just you know, I I don't really know any specific questions that I want to that I necessarily want to ask right now. I'm just curious to hear your uh, hear your thoughts on it. That's a mouthful, um, and I'm super passionate again about this space again, specifically because I'm an African African American woman. I'm also a Caribbean American woman. I live in New York, which is the melting pot. So I've been accustomed to world culture all my life. I'm not surprised by or shocked by anything, but a lot of people around me are not. So it's a natural thing for me. I think it, DEI is important because it helps the greater ecosystems to understand how it shows up in real life. Things that may not be an issue for you can be an issue for someone else. And the simple example is a tall person never has a problem reaching the top shelf, but a short person would. So it benefits the tall person to understand, hey, I'm 5'1". I'm I'm always going to need a ladder. So if you can be empathetic to something like that, then you understand that my experience is inherently different than yours. It's not something we need to spend a ton of time focusing on if it's real or if it's valid, because it is. Um, And that's not where the work in that process is. The work is now let's understand the different nuances and the many different layers of diversity, equity, and inclusion, that those words are very different. They mean very different things. And we have to dig into that. And it just doesn't include someone's race. It's ableism, you know, physical, sexual, it covers the gamut. So it's, it's, and it's also a new area for a lot of corporations. So we need to give ourselves some grace in wrapping our minds around learning about it and, and really truly integrating it into corporate culture. That's well said. I love the analogy, um, you know, of the example of the tall person versus the short person. You know, I'm I'm tall. Um, for those listening, I'm six foot two and a half. I always <laughs> am the one that's reaching up in the top shelf for <laughs> my kids or my wife or whatever. But uh, that's that's a very simple yet powerful example uh, uh, to kind of describe it. So thanks for sharing that. That was great. No problem. And I'll be looking for you anytime I need to reach something. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I got you. I got you. Uh, awesome. Well, Ciara, thank you so much again for being on the show. What's uh, maybe the best place for people to reach out if they wanted to say hi? That's awesome. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram or you can find me at LinkedIn. LinkedIn's probably my preferred because I love meeting people and chatting and all the information is there. So we know where we can pick up a conversation. Perfect. Well, I'll put your LinkedIn uh, URL in the show notes at leaderassistant.com slash 254, leaderassistant.com slash 254. Ciara, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. And uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. This was a blast. Highlight of my week. Please review on Apple Podcasts. GoBullows.com